And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiForMe.com. Happy to have all of you with us. The live chat is open. The comments are active. We are broadcasting live to Odyssey, YouTube, and Facebook. And we do appreciate all of you sharing your thoughts and joining the conversation. If you want to send us feedback offline, you can send us an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. And if you prefer to listen to this as a podcast, we're available on a number of different podcast platforms. This show and the H2O podcast. And we do want to give a shout out to our listeners in Ireland and Germany and Denmark and the Netherlands and Australia and Russia. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. All over the world. And we're happy to have you as well. And we do have a newsletter we'd like you to sign up for because we send those out every now and again. And if you're into gaming, check out our Twitch channel. Our intern, Ryan Gallagher, is currently in the midst of playing Portal 2. He just started that yesterday, so check that out. And uh, in the meantime, you can check out what we're talking about in various different shows here. And today, we actually, this is something that we haven't had in a while. A guest, Arthur Swan, is with us. Hello, sir. Hello. Good to be here. And Arthur is the author of a new book called The Encanto. Let me pull this up here so people can see. So this is the first of four books, and it involves some ancient mysteries and supernatural thrills and chills. And so let's start with this. What, What can you tell people about the book that doesn't give away the ending? Well, um, it's a supernatural thrill ride across Los Angeles, and it's a character-based mystery uh, about how the choices we make can form our identities. Okay, when you say uh, when you say character-based, how how do you mean on that? Because for me, listen, I hear I hear character-based. That seems like you're making a distinction from other kinds of stories. So, what what's the difference there? How are you defining that? Uh, the, I think that uh, compared to other stories I've read in the genre, this gets a lot closer to the characters. Uh, there's uh, there's four main characters, and you really get inside their head, and they're all kind of uh, making a lot of choices, not all of them good choices, unfortunately, to, to try and uh, achieve their dreams and get where they want to go. And, uh, uh, you know, so part of the plot isn't just the uh, supernatural mystery. It's also, you know, are these people going to be able to get where they're trying to in life? They're trying to make big changes in their life. They're trying to make that happen. And so you get really close to, to what they have going on. Now, the the beginning of the book is the discovery of an ancient Mayan artifact, and it gets smuggled into Los Angeles, and that's the that's the kickoff for all of the events there. 
is mm-hmm. was what was the impetus behind the idea? Where did that? Oh, hey, I wonder what would happen if. Where? What kind of? What kind of prep and research? What? What initiated the thought on this story? Uh, well, um, you know, I really just needed something to kind of force these three disparate lives into conflict. So they come from like you know totally different walks of life and socioeconomic status and everything across Los Angeles, and I wanted to kind of force them together. I needed some way to do that. And, uh, um, you know, I just kind of started thinking about, you know, there's, there's a lot of ancient myths where, where, uh, this sort of thing happens like the genie in the bottle myth, you know, should you let the genie out, you got one wish, that kind of thing. Right. So I started thinking about those kind of things. And then Mayan artifact, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff about the Mayan civilization, uh, that we do know they're amazing civilization. Uh, very advanced for their for their time when when they peaked you know thousands of years ago um and then there's a lot of stuff about the mayans that we don't know like scientists and archaeologists and all kinds of researchers are still trying to figure out um what the what the what kind of technology the mayans had we know about some of their advanced farming technology and irrigation but some stuff they don't know like all the um symbols in their alphabet have not been decoded and uh, unfortunately, when the when the Spanish arrived in Central America, they uh, destroyed a lot of the Mayan texts. So a lot of the documentation of their culture is is gone. So there, there's just a lot of unknowns there and, and a lot of mysteries. And so I just started thinking about, well, what if they had some kind of technology that's maybe even more advanced than what we have now? And it just got lost and and no one knows about it. And maybe someone really wealthy like evan york who has a lot of time to pursue and and you know basically limitless funds to try and research it maybe he he learns about what what the mayans had going on he wants he wants to see if he can tap into that for 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 himself and for his you know for his giant business empire there are other stories that have come uh along the way uh there's an animated series called gargoyles where you have this very wealthy industrialist who's you know excavating you know ancient ancient castles and, and and such and and collecting those kind of artifacts you have the indiana jones you have the tv series relic hunter uh you've got uh, a various different variations on the theme you know the mask for example with jim carrey what yeah. what sets Agreed. your story apart from all of those oh well this is going to be another one of those ancient artifacts opens up a portal to hell and everything goes goes sideways in the first chapter what's what's different about yours from all of those um well uh what i i think there's there are some similarities there but i think what's different is um uh no one really knows what's happening and uh figuring out the rules to this thing um the the people who know the rules to this thing end up you know, I, I'll say that they're just not available for most of the story. I'll tell, I'll give you that that much away. Um, and uh, so I think it's just kind of learning what's happening and the fact that no one knows what's happening or that this is even related to the artifact for so much of the story. Um, and then, you know, uh, I, I think there are some little twists in the rules. Again, I don't want to give too much away that make it different from other stories like this. Um, there's, you know, there's a uh, one, uh, one of the, the, I guess he's, he's kind of the villain, although I, you know, he, he might be sympathetic. Some of my readers have said they felt sorry for him. Uh, but he is, you know, he's, he's a very old soul 
and he's trying to get get back to how he originally was, which is not which is not possible. And so uh, so you know things from the past are, are are basically unleashed by this device that come out. You know, um, how 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 much you talk about the rules and and a lot of times we run into these stories that depend very greatly on their own internal logic. Uh, if if it contradicts itself or it does something kind of deus ex machina that kind of breaks all of the rules that you've already established in the universe, a lot of people have a tendency to sit there and go, well, wait a minute, that doesn't work. Are you keeping track? How do do you keep track of the internal rules of this story universe? Are Are you keeping a spreadsheet? You got a notepad? Or is it all in your head still, and and you haven't recorded it anywhere? Oh no, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, I um, you know, I was working on this. You know, it took me six years to write the the full series, and I went through a, a critique group for a couple of years where I had kind of early beta readers, and I realized at some point early on that like just as time went by, it's easy to forget what the rules are, and then it's easy you come up with a plot point to just make up some rule. And I think you know, I we've all seen you know, movies or read books where it seems like, oh yeah, the writers just made, made this new rule up cause this thing had to happen. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be like that. And I wanted to kind of keep track of it myself. So I knew what the rules were. So yeah, I have in, in parallel to the actual text of the novel itself. I also have, you know, a, like a, a side uh, story that's just for me of what's going on and what the rules are and what can and can't happen and what's allowed. So I have to stick to that as I'm writing forward, or if I change it, then I have to be, it has to be worth changing bad enough to go all the way back and change everything leading up to it to make it believable. So, you know, once I got so far along, it's kind of like, okay, these are the rules, you know, my, my better readers are, are, are kind of used to what they've learned so far. I can't change it on them. So this is, this is it got to make it work. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a lot of things in life, you know, you're just kind of, you're, you're working on a project and so much of the project gets done that, that that's, you just, it just becomes too big of a, of a cost to go back and change it. So, uh, so yeah, you, I do have them all written down. Have you run into anything that actually caused a problem because you couldn't change a rule you got to a point in the story and you go, Oh, I can't do that now. And that how much, how much of an effect, how much of an impact does that have when you run up against a rule and now you can't do what you wanted to do? Um, I haven't had that uh, happen to me with the rules uh, for the Encanto um, that much because the, uh, you know, the, the actual rules and, and the way the magic works and stuff, um, it's really just what gets the story going. It's not the main part of the story. You know, like I said, the main part is the characters. So I have had that happen with the characters. Like I have an outline, you know, mm-hmm. this guy goes and does this and the outline calls that what makes sense for the plot. And then as I'm getting into the text, I realize, you know, now that I know the guy better, he's just not going to do that. There's no way, you know, this guy say, you know, Saul is, is the, is the detective character who weighs 300 pounds. He just wouldn't do what was in the outline for him to do. And that's a major thing. And if I make him do it, his whole character is not going to be believable anymore. So that did cause a huge problem for me when I started running into that kind of thing. Uh, you mentioned believability, um, and and with certain 
types of stories, science fiction, fantasy, the supernatural stuff, there there is a, almost a requirement, a suspension of disbelief on certain levels because of the different things, you know, the different elements of that kind of story. But when you're talking about things like you mentioned, you have a, you have a detective, there's police procedures, there's things that actually are in the real world that if if you get those things wrong it has a tendency there's a there's a risk of damaging the credibility for the rest of it so as far as as the real world elements go how much research did you do as far as you know like like with police procedures were you doing ride alongs did you interview detectives did you did you do those yeah, have those conversations with people who actually do what your characters do in in the real world. Um, yeah, you know, um, I I wish I uh, had uh, closer connections with some real life detectives. I've talked to a couple, um, but most of my uh, and you know, I did float some ideas past them about like, oh, what if what if this happened or that happened or would would this? Yeah, I did do a little bit of you know, real person one on one kind of chats, but mostly it's been. Uh, just by reading, like reading, uh, uh, there's some some nonfiction books about the the justice system uh, that are that are very interesting, and uh, and then also I'm always reading, you know, fiction based detective thrillers that are written by people that ha- that uh, are more knowledgeable than me about um, about how the whole police procedural system works, and I've noticed similarities among different authors. Like, okay you know, these three authors all kind of say that it works this way. So I'll, let me just do double check online and see, does it work that way? And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes four different fiction authors will do the same sort of cheat because it just speeds up the plot. And we as an audience are just used to reading right through that. Um, and we just kind of accept it, you know, like especially you see a lot of these uh, courtroom dramas, like a real court trial is much more boring than than what happens in an actual you, you know it, it's in in these dramas like you, you can't just interrupt and and throw this stuff you, you'll get you'll get you know you'll get pulled out of the court so the, yeah. there's a lot of kind of cheats that, that that the audience just accepts and so i did use some of those cheats that seem um widely used and accepted so i'm not like claiming that this is a completely accurate depiction of how a detective would would, would operate. Um, but I do hope it is believable. Um, and, uh, I, you know, some of my readers have said they thought it was believable. And then we even got in a long discussion once about whether or not this was magical realism or not. And it's not magical realism cause magical realism is where, where everyone accepts that, uh, the magic is real in, in your, in your, uh, you know, fictional world, right. but that's not what happens in this and in, in this, um, the, de- the detective, he is actually uh, a magician uh, after hours. He hangs out at this place in L.A. called the Magic Castle. It's a, it's a great kind of uh, old, you know, Victorian home that's been converted into this, basically this giant palace of magic that's just a labyrinth in there. It's a really amazing place to go if you ever get a chance to check it out. So he's a member of the Magic Castle. And, and you know, like his police detective work, what he likes about magic is he likes understanding how the tricks work he likes figuring out, you know, he likes that it looks like it appears impossible, but he likes that he can kind of go in and see, you know, how how did this uh, magician really achieve that? And what's kind of the, what's kind of the, you know, what's really going on here? And, and 
what's the truth behind it? And, and he, he enjoys performing magic some himself, but, and he does it for, for other characters in the book as a way to kind of distract them and get the answers he's looking for. But mostly he just likes to know what's going on and what's happening. And, and he has to understand everything. And he doesn't believe that there's real magic, like, you know, the mythical magic, like, you know, right. wizards and stuff. He doesn't think that is actually possible. Um, and so this, you know, when all this stuff starts happening, this really challenges his belief system, you know? So he really, you know, he's going to be the last person that's going to accept that there's any kind of real magic going on. And he's the one, he's the only one that can, that can solve this case. Now, when you're uh, setting up, you've got four books in this series. When you originally conceived it, were you seeing this as a story, uh, a set that took that long? Are these all going to be part of the same narrative, or are they just different stories, almost episodes in the show, as it were? Maybe different sets of characters, or are we going to be following the same characters all the way through the four books? Yep, it's the same characters. Yeah, it, the way it started out was it was just one book, just going to be quick, fun, you know, thriller, you know, kind of with some elements of harbor, mostly to thriller and suspense novel. And uh, it just turned into this big project. So at some point it just became so long that, that I uh, that I had to split it up. So it was more kind of going back and kind of figuring out how to make a nice story arc that I could in the context of the larger story. All right. So the the kind of research that's involved in paranormal supernatural I mean you can't just go into the library and look up you know spells and incantations from Maya a civilization from 1630 BC to 1620 BC I mean you, it, that kind of thing isn't isn't there Mm-hmm. So I imagine you're probably having to extrapolate a lot based on what what research, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of records that are gone, a lot of historical data and documents that don't that we don't have anymore. So I imagine it probably gives you a little bit of a free hand in saying, you know, this is how this thing was. Are are you? Is that an easy thing to do as far as making up the fill in the blanks part? Or is there is there sometimes a, a hesitation is, oh, I hope I don't get this wrong. How much how how what's your comfort level in the filling the gaps portions based on what research you have been able to do? Yeah, um, well, you know, I think there's kind of there's kind of two ends to it. You know, the, the the first one is, yeah, I think it's it is kind of helpful that um, I can just make stuff up because there's no real information there to go on to say that what I made up is 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 wrong. Um, you know, so, you you know, it's I mean, you know, maybe you could say that this is uh, an unlikely thing that, that could occur, but you can't say for sure that it's impossible. Um, and I offer some explanations of, of how it could be possible. Um, so, uh, so I think that that is helpful and, and, and fun in a way. Um, and then to kind of, I did research what I could and, you know, there are some, some names and a little bit of information that do line up with, with, uh, with some mine history. It's pretty minor stuff, but again, you know, the ancient mine stuff isn't like the major plot point. Most of the people in, in the book don't know what's going on with that or how it works. And they've just kind of learned the hard way. Um, but then the, the other end thing that I was worried about with that was just kind of 
pissing somebody off who knows a lot more about this than me, right. who, you know, who, you know, like an, an indigenous Mayan person or something like that. So, um, so I, I actually hired some help with that, with some literary, I got some sensitivity readers to read over some stuff and just based on their background and their unique experience in life, which is definitely, uh, you know, I mean, no one was around from the ancient Mayan civilization, but at least they have heritage. Maybe they know something I don't know. Right. So, uh, so that, that was helpful to get that information, just get another take on it. How much of a concern should that be in the overall grand scheme of things? I mean, we've, we've seen incidents here recently, especially in the last two or three years, where you don't belong to a group, you shouldn't be writing about the group, that kind of thing. You know, accusations of cultural appropriation and, and, and whatnot. And it seems to have kind of tapered off a little bit, but the, those, those concerns and complaints and, and, you know, that crowd seems to still be out there. Has it gotten... A little bit out of hand, do you think? I mean, how you you mentioned having sensitivity readers, and having people that are that are involved in in that. But if they sat there and said, "Well, you're not a descendant of the ancient Mayan culture, you shouldn't be allowed to to write this book." What what do you do with that? Have you are there any concerns on that front that maybe we're we're getting a little bit overboard and and a little bit too deep in the weeds worrying about whether we should be allowed to even write this particular story or not? Yeah, I think if someone says, yeah, you're not allowed to write it, then yeah, I think that's taking it too far. You know, maybe you're not the most educated and you need to learn more before you write it. I mean, I can accept that and I, I do want to learn more. And, yeah. You know, I hope I, I learned enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think there's, you know, there's kind of a range. You know, I think some people have gotten into the weeds on, on some, some of the novels. I don't want to mention any names of ones that came out and uh, got a lot of criticism because they didn't really do much research at all. And the whole novel was about the thing. Like there yeah. was one recently that came out about some, what was going on in Mexico written uh, by an author who, you know, maybe she had been to Mexico, but she wasn't that close and, and uh, clearly got some things wrong. And, uh, if the whole novel's about that, you really got to do your research. You know, right. I, this, you know, uh, the Encanto is not all about that. You know, it's a, there's, you know, the, the, if you, when I was doing the sensitivity reads, I pulled out the, the part that was about that. And was, you know, the, the word count is pretty low compared to the overall novel. And, you know, 98% of it takes place in LA. I live in LA. So, you know, uh, I'm guess I'm always doing research every day. I'm here. I see it happening. I talk to people, so so it's more about L.A. really than uh, than ancient Mayan indigenous people or, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a tough I mean it's a it's a tough environment in a way because you know you don't want to offend anybody and you want to represent everyone correctly, but at the same time you are trying to tell a story and the purpose of the story is entertainment and it's not. You know, you're not, you know, it's it's not like a, a historic text, right? You know, so there's a there's a difference there. If you're trying to be nonfiction, I think it's even it's even harder. It's a whole it's a, then the then the the bar is raised significantly. Oh, so I just hope yeah, that no people take things into context. If something is a story 
And I'm willing to do that. Like if I say, oh, they got this thing wrong in Mexico, or I've read books about LA, like, you know, yeah, that's not how it is. You know, that street doesn't go there, whatever. There's all kinds of things people make cheats as authors to try and tell an entertaining story. And that's part of it. And sometimes you just have to accept like, you know, that's what made the story better. And I've watched movies where people are like, oh, it's not like that at that place in real life. And that's not how it is. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it's not, you yeah. know, but this is a story world and it's, it still seems realistic. And as long as it seems realistic and, you know, maybe some people that are really close to the subject matter know that it's not realistic, but does that matter? I mean, you know, that's my question. That, and well, and, that, and it is a good question because a lot of people who are in those camps of trying to decide who's allowed to do something or not, um, you know, a, a majority of the time it feels like at least that the, the people who are complaining are not the people who are necessarily buying the product in the first place. And, you know, well, maybe this isn't the type, the type of book that you're going to read so why do you have any interest in who's writing it and what kind of story it is? It just it just seems like sometimes we get a little bit out of hand with the, you know, the the complaint errati, you know, worried too much about what Twitter thinks as opposed to what are what the people who buy our products think. So yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard of that. Yeah, people criticizing stuff on social media that they haven't even read or watched or whatever i mean that just seems that's that doesn't seem right to me yeah. you're not even going to read or, or watch it or take in the whole story you, you can't you can't criticize it. you gotta at least consider it before you criticize it or else you just you know you you, you come it's like it reflects badly on you if, if you get called out on it right no. All right. On that note, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the kind of response that you have gotten on this book and what's next for you. Uh, we're going to do this just on the other side of the break. Just hang on just a minute here. We'll be right back. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. Experience makes the difference. Since 2009, Sci-Fi For Me has been bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror have been on our radar from the beginning. And now, Sci-Fi For Me is bringing you something new. A new direction, new partnerships, new content, and all new mix of programs on an all new channel. Sci-Fi For Me TV, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Hi everyone, it's McKenna Talley from Salacious Crumbs. Just a quick reminder for all the latest Star Wars news and rumor, be sure to check out our show Salacious Crumbs right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 Central. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here along with author Arthur Swan. His book, The Encanto, which I believe is out now, yes? Yep. Okay. It just came out last week. Just came out last week. Okay, so you are on the virtual book tour. How are things going so far with uh, with interviews and media and press and this kind of thing? I mean, marketing a book takes a lot of effort. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially nowadays where, uh, you know, 
and for for uh, smaller independent authors like myself, it's uh, you know you got to do a lot of the work yourself, and uh, you know it's it's almost you know writing the book is is only you know a small portion of the work compared to all the all the marketing and, and other stuff you got to do on social media and everything. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's off to a good start. Um, we've got some some good reviews out there. Uh, I was trying to pull them up during the break, but I didn't quite get to them. But uh, you can check our Instagram feed at Arthur Swan Off. Um, and uh, some of the quotes will, are posted there already, and some will be posted in the future um, uh, from uh, various uh, blogs and, and uh, other sources uh, where people have read the book and, and have good things to say about it. Um, you know, of course, we're probably not going to post uh, any of the negative things that people might say about it there, <laughs> but uh, I welcome any any feedback and all feedback is good feedback. So if you read it uh, and you didn't like it, go ahead and post the review uh, at your favorite site for books. And, you know, I, I look forward to reading it. You know, it's good to think about uh, what didn't connect with people uh, next time I'm writing something. You know, I hope you'll you'll give it another chance. But I, I, more than that, I hope you like this one and you want to read the the next uh, three books in the series. And, and I think you will. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this. There's, uh, you know, whether you're a fan of, of sci-fi or horror or uh, thrillers or mysteries, um, I think there's something for you in this novel. So I think there's something everyone can can, can kind of latch into. Even if you're just a fan of literary fiction and you don't normally go into, I know this is kind of considered a genre novel, right. um, but, you know, I have read, have had some better readers who even said, oh, this is more like literary fiction, really. So, you know, I think even even the literary fiction lovers will, will, will enjoy this book. There is... Uh, a certain segment of the creative side of things, authors in the genre, uh, and also, you know, outside of science fiction fantasy, uh, there seem to be a certain segment of that group that likes to make the distinction between genre, you know, as, as pulp, well, it's not really all that important, it's not literature, you know, noses in the mm -hmm. air and whatnot. And within that group, there are even people within the genre community, authors who sit there and say, well, our stuff must be, must be literary. It must be highbrow literature. And what you're <laughs> writing over there, this military fiction and this, this action stuff is just, ugh, you know. Have you, have you had any kind of conversations like that with, with other authors that you may be in contact with of what kind of story is acceptable to that crowd uh a few yeah it's um it's a tricky thing uh uh because you know i mean really i mean in my opinion labeling a story as a certain genre is just a, a way to help people find a book that they'll like right. i think that's really what it's all about and to really you know a lot of books nowadays that are most successful are actually uh more you could put them into more than one genre um but yeah I definitely have seen some authors who kind of shun uh, what what they call is just genre fiction, like mm -hmm. it's not a real story. Um, and then I have seen genre authors that are kind of like, ah, oh, literary fiction, you know, like that's boring, like it's not going to entertain you at all. But, you know, some of the best novels ever written, in my opinion, are, are classified as literary fiction. Yeah. I think it's really just, for me... And, and, and a lot of other authors that, that, I, that I'm friends with, you know, I think it's really we just want to tell a compelling story that, that captures 
hearts and minds and, and, and entertains people. And maybe you learn something about yourself or think at least a little more, uh, maybe think about the world in a different way than you did before you started reading. We want to, we want to kind of reach, we want to reach people. That's what we're trying to do. And, you know, regardless of what kind of story it is, um, that's just, that's just a kind of a, you know, it's like a, it's like a setting, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it, it doesn't really, that's not the important thing. Right. The important thing are the people and what they're struggling with and if they're going to get there or not and what they learn from it. Now your first book, uh, before the sun hits, it won the readers reader views readers choice award. So congratulations there. Uh, you, you also volunteer for a group called young storytellers. What is that about? What is, is that a, is that a reading group? Is that a literary group teaching kids how to write or, or what? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's teach. It's, I mean, I wouldn't say teaching kids. I feel like the, the kids are really teaching us. And unfortunately I haven't been able to do it lately because of the pandemic. Uh, they have a virtual version of it, which is not quite as much fun as the, as the in-school person uh, version yeah. uh, was and will be. I mean, they're going to go, they're going back to that this fall. Uh, I'm told. So I'm, you know, fingers crossed there, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And basically what we're doing is we're taking kids that are, having maybe they're struggling a little bit in the classroom in some ways they're having a hard time concentrating maybe have other stuff going on at home uh i'm not sure exactly the process of selecting the kids that's handled by the teachers the teachers kind of at the school kind of decide which of their students would benefit the most from a young storytellers program it could be that they're a really shy student who can't speak up in class or or you know a lot of them seem to have issues with um with just kind of, uh, you know, emoting and uh, concentrating and socializing, and just getting up in front of people, in front yeah. of a room full of people, and just you know, talking and and you know, sharing something of themselves. And so this this helps them with that. And what the goal is basically, each student and young storytellers gets paired up with a, with a mentor. I I've been a mentor, uh, and then we help them write their screenplay uh, for a short play. And um, I, I mean, really, I, I kind of say, I'm basically just a secretary, you know, I'm just writing it down, you know, you tell me what happens. And you know, if they want suggestions, or whatever, I mean, I might suggest, oh, I might ask a question, but I'm trying to make it clear like this, like, you know, this is your story, you're writing. So you know, I'm what I'm wondering about, you're telling me, you know, this guy just shot everyone. So I'm wondering, how he feels about that is what I want to know. Like, so I'll just throw some kind of questions to try and help, you know, lead them down the path of their own story, but not really helping them write it. Right. And then the really fun thing is, you know, we get a short story. It's, you know, it's only like, you know, maybe a five page screenplay. It's pretty short. And then there's a big show uh, where real actors come in from LA, you know, they, they, you know, people, you know, there, it ranges the talent depends on what level of show it is, but there's some pretty talented voice arts. There's a lot of talent, talented uh, actors at all different levels in LA that are, that are available for things like this. And they come in, they haven't seen the story ahead of time. And then on the day they perform the kid's play. So the kid casts out, you know, these are your actors. Who do you want to play this character? Who do you want to play this character? And then they get up on stage and they perform it for their whole class. So in the, the, everyone in the school gets to see 
the the story that they wrote it's kind of a, a marathon of these stories going down and they get to get up in front of the school and say a little bit about the story that they wrote and that's always like the hardest thing my my last mentee said he, he thought he was going to die when he when he had to get up there and just say something about his story just one sentence it's so cute but uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun just to see the smile in everyone's faces when it's like wow i wrote that and these actors and actors bring a lot to the performance and and just to see it see it all happen right it's it's a lot of fun now you mentioned that this has been impacted a little bit by the pandemic and you know people not being able to get together and whatnot uh, when when you are doing this virtual book tour, how much of adjustment have you had to make because of the pandemic? Because now you're doing all these interviews online. Are you able to get out in person with uh, with the book and and talk to people about it? Have you gone to very many conventions yet, or what are what are you doing out yeah. besides the the virtual stuff? Right now, uh, all I'm doing is the virtual stuff. That's it. Um, yeah, I haven't started looking into uh, any, uh, there was a convention this fall I was sort of thinking about, um, but I'm glad I didn't end up going cause then the, uh, the Delta variant kind of made that a little scary to go all the way to new Orleans. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I haven't really done much out physical stuff, but Hey, if I see someone walking around and they look like they want a good book to read, you know, Hey, got the Encanto right here. So, uh, I definitely got a copy with me, but, um, uh, you know, mostly, it's all the all the virtual stuff. And right. I think that's kind of the way a lot of this is going, because in some ways you can get to more people at once easier with the with the virtual uh, book tour than you can by going out uh, to a convention or, you know, uh, an area where, you know, less people have access to. Right. So uh, so I think, it, you know, people that can't not everyone can even physically make it to to a convention so you know now with this virtual stuff they they have an opportunity to to tune in and, and see what's going on and, and participate so so i like that it's kind of it kind of expanded things um but it's nice to i mean i do miss connecting with people one-on-one and in real life yeah you know we all do so the heavy lifting for the marketing of a book as over over the last i don't know say five ten years has shifted so the author is responsible for a whole lot more than that, and and you have people helping you out with with uh, PR by the book. You have you have people helping with the publicity and the marketing. What kind of challenges does a a virtual marketing campaign face that maybe you're having to make up for what you lose in the in person stuff? What kind of adjustments? Have you all had, have you discussed, okay, well, we can't go out and do book signings. We're not going to the conventions. You know, we're doing this instead. I mean, you're doing these these online interviews like this one. What else are you able to do in terms of a virtual marketing effort to get the word out about the book? Um, yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I have a, a good answer for that. You know, I'm, I'm not, I would not consider myself a very uh, marketing uh, savvy uh, author by any means. Uh, that's why I hired PR by the book to help me, and uh, they've been uh, they've been great. Uh, they got me uh, this interview with with, with you, so uh, so it's, um, that's good. So it's good to be here, Jason. And uh, you know, I think uh, you know, I'm open to suggestions. Any suggestions anyone has for me, you know, I'd love to hear it. So I'm just kind of learning about this as I go along. You know, I I think like a lot of writers. I enjoy uh, the writing portion uh, more than the marketing portion. Sure. And I do 
find it a little bit frustrating the way that the trend is, oh, we want to author who already has a brand, an established brand, uh, before we buy into this and, and take a risk. Uh, and so um, that, I think that's a, I think that makes things, things harder. And, and also I think another thing that makes things harder is there's, there's a lot more people writing books now. There's a lot more people trying to get heard. Yeah. Uh, I forget the exact numbers, but one time I calculated it out, the, the amount of um, novels published on Amazon, uh, just in the English language alone, uh, per day, comes down to, I think, about three per minute. And that's mm. over a 24-hour period. Wow. So imagine if you were going to just say, you know, I'm going to look at every cover that came out today. You couldn't do it. You couldn't even look at every cover because if there's three per minute or 24-hour period, that's just too many. You just can't look at that many images. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's it's a lot. There's a lot coming out. And it's great that that many people are able to uh, share their stories. Um, it's just finding, finding an audience for it. And that's, that's the tricky thing. Cause there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of competition for eyeballs, right? You know, I'm sure you deal with that with your, with your podcast. There's a lot of people doing podcasts. You do it with the, you know, with YouTube, a lot of people are doing YouTube, you know, it's well, hard. It's a, I think the problem is the same regardless of, of what environment you're in. Yeah. Uh, so well, I'm curious what you think of that. The other part of it is that, you know, there are so many out there now in, in both the literary world and in say like the comic book industry where the the question becomes are you writing the story to write the story and tell the story or are you writing this story to get the netflix deal yeah it it that that kind of consideration as well and yet you like you mentioned there's a lot of competition in that in that sphere and i wonder how many of them are writing the book in order to get the movie deal you know how many of them are writing the comic book in order to get the tv series on netflix or sci-fi channel or or something like that does that enter into the equation for you at all at any point in all of this i mean have have any of your beta readers come back and said oh this would make a good movie or make a good tv series have, have you had that consideration at all or is this just i'm gonna write the books and whatever happens after that happens yeah, um, uh, I, I have had a couple uh, readers who said that this was their favorite TV show. You know, I was doing the critique group over a, a couple of years and running it through that. Uh, you know, it was my favorite episodic TV show. I heard that from a couple people and, you know, it's good to hear. And hey, if someone wants to sign the Encanto and produce a TV series, great. But I didn't write it for that. And I think to fit it into that, um, I think it. I think it would actually be a, a lot of work to to make uh, a, a like a good screenplay, like the nice episodes that that fit in the way kind of the format people expect out of a half hour or one hour uh, TV show. So I think it's doable, and I think it'd be a fun exercise. Um, but it's not written for that, so it's not like you're, you're just going to just copy it right out of the book and have your screenplay ready to go. Um, so it's for me, it's more about writing the book. And uh, as opposed to one thing that I really enjoy about writing uh, fiction as opposed to uh, I have written a few screenplays and stuff on the side is you can actually go into the character's head and inside their thoughts and yeah. their minds. And you can't really do that uh, in TV or movies. Like I've seen attempts of it when I mean, people put a voiceover 
what the person's thinking, but it always comes across as pretty che cheesy. It never really works. So you have the character, the actor basically has to show the emotions and you never really know exactly what they're thinking. You know, I mean, if they're good and everything's good, you, you pretty much, you know, but part of what uh, the L.A. Fog series, the Encanto is the first novel in the L.A. Fog series. Part of what it's about is incorrect assumptions that people make when they're communicating and getting that across just in the movie or TV format would be a lot harder. It's still doable and it might be, it may make it more of a comedy than it is now. Uh, it's almost kind of tragic. Some, some of the things that happen because people make the incorrect assumptions. And so, uh, so, you know, I, I think that's what I like about the, the fiction genre. Now with this being four books, is it, uh, is it closed after four or are you leaving the door open for, a fifth book, a sixth book, an anthology, a collaboration with other authors. How 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 much bigger can this get? How much bigger do you want it to get? Um, yeah, I do. I I would say that it's. I mean, this story is definitely comes to a conclusion after the fourth novel. But there is a kind of a but. You know, there could be more out there, and it does leave the door open. There could be another one. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if I have a you know. A million readers clamoring for another one then there'll be another one for sure uh, but right now i have a lot of other different stuff that i'd like to write and so i plan to focus on that um so i don't really currently have a, a plan like oh i'm going to definitely write a write a fifth one at this mm -hmm. point well you could be like george R. R. martin and talk about that fifth book and then never deliver <laughs> that's true <laughs> so what is up next i prefer to under promise yeah that's right right so what's up next for you what is it that you're working on now um well i am actively actively working on editing the uh, second novel in the series it's called way Ops revenge yeah uh, it's going to come out next uh, april or may so definitely look for that after you finish reading the encanto um and then uh aside from that i'm just kind of um toying around with a couple of different ideas and kind of deciding uh, which one I should really focus on, which one's going to make the most compelling story. I kind of write like a little kind of rough outline and, and try and show it to people or try and pitch like short, I like kind of condensed versions of it and mm -hmm. see which one resonates more. So, so I'm kind of trying to figure out uh, what's going to be the best use of my time. With these four books in the L.A. Fog series and and the other stuff that you're noodling around on on what comes next after that, have you found yourself inclined toward a certain type of story? I mean, these have the supernatural elements, a little bit of thriller, a little bit of horror. Uh, do you have any ideas as far as, say, military science fiction or hard science fiction or epic fantasy you know the you know wheel of time type stuff mm -hmm. or you are you have you found your niche uh no i don't think i found my niche i think i'm still kind of trying to write in in, in different genres uh, my last novel was a was a science fiction novel about a math professor who saves the world and uh this one i'm calling a supernatural thriller although uh some re reviewers have said it has a science fiction element to it um so you know it depends on how you look at it but yeah i think um my next novel I want to write uh, that's I think it's I think it's going to be something more realistic. It's still going to be fiction, but it's going to be more realistic. There's not going to be a science fiction element to it or a supernatural magic element to it. Um, I'm going to just keep it, you know, grounded more in reality. And I want to try and tackle 
see if I can show maybe a unique perspective on, on some kind of uh, issue that a lot of us are, are dealing with today. Like I, I mentioned the justice system earlier. There's a, the, you know, there's a lot of problems there in the justice system. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of problems with the opioid epidemic that I'm, I'm reading about. And there's, there's a lot of stories there, but then there's a lot of people telling those stories. So I'm trying to find something unique, unique angle that no one's, no one's telling yet that, that still, you know, I can put into a fictional world that kind of, I always enjoy it when I read a book that kind of makes me go look up news articles afterwards to see, right. oh, well, is this is this really happening? Is this really like this? And sometimes it's like, yeah, the yeah, the author was actually kind of putting it in their fiction, but this is right. a real problem that I didn't know as much about, and I'm glad they made me more aware of it. Is there a danger though of ha- having your fiction entertainment story thing? derailed by current year modern era politics or social issues or anything like that. I mean, this is back and forth. I mean, this this yeah. whole thing came up with the Hugo Awards about, you know, the books that you write, if they're fiction, they should entertain and tell a story and the preaching should be incidental or a subtext or whatever. If you're gonna if you're gonna create message fiction, that's a whole mm-hmm. nother thing. And appropriate or not, whatever whatever side of the argument you're on, there are times and there's a risk where if you're going to tackle modern day issues like, say, the refugees at the border type of thing or you know, uh, 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 the, the economy or our relations with China or whatever, um, there's, there's a risk of that piece overpowering the story. Do you worry about that? Do you have concerns about that with some of the stuff that you're getting that you're that you're developing? And how do you uh, yeah. avoid yeah. how do you avoid turning it into some, you know, manifesto about a thing? Yeah, it's um it's uh it's a tricky thing and uh you know, I'd say like I'm not I'm not trying to preach anything. Uh I'm just trying to maybe raise awareness um and, you know, certainly I'll take a stance. I'm not afraid to take a stance, but, uh, I, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing. It's a fine line. And, um, I think I just have to read, uh, other authors who've done it well and kind of look at what they've done and then other authors who've messed up. So, you know, if, if you have any bad examples, I I'll read books that are, that people don't like to try and understand why it is people don't like it and, yeah. you know, hopefully not make that mistake. Another big problem is just that it takes so long to write a book and get it out there that a lot of these issues have changed. Like whatever's going on at the border now, like by the time you write a book on it, if, it, if it's a and get it out there, you know, unless you're just super fast writer, uh, it's going to be the situation is going to be entirely different by the time the book comes out. So making sure it's still relevant is another is another tricky thing. How much of a mix of self-publishing and traditional publishing do you anticipate that you're going to be doing with all of the stuff that you're doing? Do you want to stick with a particular publisher? You want to stay with an imprint, or these are going to go various different ways depending on what kind of story you're telling? Yeah, I don't have a, a clear plan there. Um, I think you know whatever makes the most sense for the novel that when it's coming out. Um, if there's a traditional publisher that's interested and it seems like they're going to really uh, push it, um, then, then I'll totally go with them. But another uh, part of the problem is a lot of these, uh, traditional publishers, they'll, 
you know, they're pushing their main name authors that everyone's heard of. They're putting all their marketing behind those people. Yeah. And then they're just signing up, you know, however many states, a thousand other people and putting almost no marketing effort on them at all. And just kind of seeing who rises to the surface. Basically you're doing your own marketing as if you're self-publishing is the only way to rise above. And then you've got, you know, publisher and everything taken a cut of it for the effort that you're making. So, um, you know, I want to feel like, you know, if I'm signing up with a publisher that they're going to help me and help put me out there in a way that uh, I can't just do by myself. And, you know, we're a partner and we're doing this together. So if I feel like I have that partnership, then, then yeah, I'll totally go there. Do you have ideas that would lend themselves more? You know, like I said, you've written screenplays before. Do you have ideas specifically in that realm as far as, oh, I think I want to write, I want to write this as a movie. I want to write this as a series of novels. I want to put this into an anthology of short stories. How, how far into your process do you know what, what format, what form, the story is going to take do you do you start there and come up with the story or does the story lend itself to a particular form yeah i think you got to start it's pretty early in the process you got to kind of decide um yeah i have uh i you know i have thought you know what's pretty writing a screenplay is, is pretty easy compared to a novel because it's really just kind of a like a blueprint for a movie you know it's not like the actual movie uh, so there's a lot of shorthand and stuff there. So I thought, oh, maybe that's a good way to outline it. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, I realized going into it, like, oh, that's not really the right way to outline it because there's still a lot of stuff that just happens only in a movie that wouldn't, you wouldn't do that in a novel and, you know, like camera angles and stuff and uh, and, and just the, the way things are cut together, you know, it's, there's a certain um, uh, form to the art of storytelling for a movie it's uh it's not it's that's different from a novel and right. a short story is a whole different thing as well so i think you have to decide going into it i think it's hard to do early on i have seen some uh books that came out as novelizations of popular movies and and tried to read them and they weren't all that good you know it just didn't work as well as a as a novel written afterwards you know so it's kind of i think you got to kind of pick i think you can take I mean, when you make a movie from a novel, you're shortening it. So I think it is, I think it's easier to shorten a story than it is to make it longer. Because when yeah. you make it longer, if the story already worked as a short version and then you make it longer, a lot of times you're just adding fluff and making it more boring. What you always do, you know, it, the, the lesson every writer learns early on is you got to just eliminate as much as you can to keep readers interested. Like if there's something in there and you can delete it and the story's just as good, then you have to delete it. You have to. Right. Because it it doesn't need to be there and so uh you know if you're if you're making a movie from a novel then you are removing stuff and maybe there's ways you can tighten the story up even more so i've seen that work really well for for some movies and in some movies it hasn't worked because they just had to cut too much stuff out and the story was just too complicated to fit in that space right. so it really it depends but i think if you're shortening it it's possible i think the making it longer i i'm not I haven't seen that done successfully. Um, if someone Alan, knows of an example, yeah. I would, I'd love to check that out. Alan Dean Foster has talked about uh, when he does novelizations of different films. Uh, and I haven't talked to Greg Cox about it, but it, I would imagine he's run into the same thing. But but Foster, we talked to him at Worldcon here about, oh, I guess now it's been five years, when it was here in Kansas City. And he says the challenge is 
like you say, you've got the fill in the blanks, but but the getting inside the characters' heads with the motivations and explaining because yes, you're right. The screenplays describe particular actions, but only so far. And and Alan was talking about how you've got to expand what's actually there in the in the movie that you see maybe, you know, facial expressions and emotions and that sort of thing, but you've also got to fill in the gaps of what's behind all of that with motivations. And so sometimes you even have to come up with some sort of a of an explanation for why something happens because it doesn't make sense in the movie and now you got to make it you, it, it has to make sense in the book. So I can understand yeah. the challenge of that because you de- you definitely have have this spine that you've got to work with and everything has to fit. I, 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 I can imagine that that is quite a bit of a challenge for some. Um, yeah, it seems really hard. I can imagine, you know, maybe if you have like a little bit of latitude where you don't have to follow the movie exactly, you know, maybe you could cheat a couple things, you know, that might, that might help. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, I would, I wouldn't want to be challenged with that task. I think it would, it would be very difficult. All right. Well, on that note, let's make it not very difficult to find you. The website, swanfall.com, uh, which is uh, Arthur Swan's main website. He's also on Twitter and Instagram. And you say that you're on Instagram more than you are Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I and think Instagram is, is our number one kind of area to post stuff. We're also on Facebook. Okay, and we will put links to all of those sites in our uh, show notes. The the swanfall.com is already there. I'll go back in and add the social media so people can find you. When do you anticipate the next book to be ready? You said uh, May? Is... I'm thinking April or May of okay. uh, 2022. Yep. All right, we will definitely have you back to talk about that uh, when that comes out. And in the meantime, you know, nose to the grindstone and stay healthy. All right. You too, Jason. All right. Arthur Swan, thanks very much for being here. And thank you, everybody, for being here as well. And if you have a comment or if you have a suggestion for a guest that we could have on the show, uh, you could send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. We are also on all the social medias. You can find us at sci fi for me and various different shows here uh, for you to enjoy, including the H2O podcast, Mr. Harvey and I talking about Superman last night in the show, talking about whether or not he's actually science fiction or fantasy. And we do have this reminder that Salacious Crumbs, our Star Wars news program, is now on Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern for Central. Uh, So we hope that you will be here for all of that. Tomorrow, Cat Rambo will be here. And uh, Saturday, we've got the news headlines on Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us for that. In the meantime, we do invite you to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, Have your notifications turned on. Go over to the .com, sign up for our newsletter, and we will be back to do all of this tomorrow. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.